Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome. For this podcast, uh, Brother Evans and I have changed seats. Last week, we asked whether there was a connection between Freemasonry and the Jesuits. This week, Brother Evans will look at the question in detail. Over to you. Okay, thank you for the introduction, Brother Anshaw. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be asking, is there a connection between the Inquisition and the Jesuits? Many of you may not know, but the Tyler, situated outside of the lodge, is armed with a drawn sword for two reasons. Firstly, is to keep at bay Jacobites. Secondly, is to keep at bay the Inquisition. The Inquisition is without doubt one of the saddest and darkest times in human history. But why did it come about? The Inquisition first started in 12th century France, and that was to oppose the dissidents of the Cathars and also the Waldensians. Catharism had originated from the anti-materialist Bogomil churches of the Balkans, and their theology was dualistic, and this led to accusations of Gnosticism. Because of their beliefs, they were labelled heretics and had to be wiped out. Of the crusade, Mark Gregory Pegg writes that the Albigensian crusade ushered genocide into the West by linking divine salvation to mass murder, by making slaughter as loving an act as his sacrifice on the cross. And I think that's probably the most important distinction of the Waldensian and the Albigensian crusade, is they thought that they were doing God's work by bringing a person accused of heresy into divine judgment. So in other words, they could make that person meet their maker and they could decide their fate. Those that had erred from the narrow path, the orthodox path, had a chance to meet their creator and they could be judged directly. The Inquisition found a renewed zeal in Spain at the end of the 15th century when Queen Isabella I found it extremely distasteful that the Catholic religion was being perverted by the doctrines of the Jews and the Moors, with worship being somewhat syncretic because of intermarrying families. The Iberian Peninsula was an extraordinary melting pot of cultures at that time, with Christians and Jews living alongside Moors in what was referred to as Al-Andalus, which is Arabic for the place of the Vandals. Here, all parties lived in relative harmony with cultural and intellectual exchange happening in multiple spheres. Scientific, mystical, philosophical, medical and mathematical knowledge was far in advance of that of Christendom. Al-Andalus was an intense crucible for Kabbalistic thought, culminating in the Holy Zohar in the 13th century. Whilst the Zohar had originated in Leon with Moses de Leon, Leon was absorbed into the crown of Castile in 1230 with an act of union. And it was in Al-Andalus that Plato and Aristotle were safeguarded, not in the houses of Europe. And it would take the might of Ficino to reintroduce them. In 1492, this harmony was brought to an end by Queen Isabella I, when she ordered that all Muslims and Jews convert to Catholicism or leave Castile. The history books are rather unclear as to the exact motives of this. Perhaps it was fear of the repeat of the fall of Constantinople in 1453 to the Muslim Ottomans that sparked it, but Isabella very much decided that Jews must be Jews, Muslims must be Muslims, and Christians must be Christians, and never should they mix. The same decree was made again in 1502, and it was into this Castile that a young Loyola would have been making his way in the world. As he later defended these groups against the Inquisition at university, we can take a fairly good guess at which side of the fence he was sitting on. Uh, the ideas of freedom of religion and opposing the Inquisition would be both be found in Freemasonry, 
So getting back to the lodge, the year that the Jesuits started translating the Chinese philosophers into Latin, 1687, was also an important year in England. This was not only for Catholicism, as on the 4th of April, King James II passed the Declaration of Indulgence, lifting religious penal laws, thus granting religious freedom to Christian denominations, which is an early step towards freedom of religion. Um, but it is also important for science, and as Newton's Principia was published in this year. So in summary, we have a mystical Christian order whose founder rose to prominence in a historical Kabbalistic centre in an era saturated with Arabic influences such as alchemy, medicine, astronomy, etc., etc., that was known for its religious tolerance. A few centuries later, they would have an intellectual exchange programme with China, both scientific and spiritual. So I can see where the scientific and spiritual parallels with Freemasonry can be drawn by this time period. But what is the truth? Did they teach the same thing? Did they signpost the same truth? Did Loyola realise that all three religions were teaching the same universal truth? Well, you're going to have to find out for yourself. Uh, or you could pick up one of Brother Angel's books and fill your Masonic lamp with light. It's one of those things that it's up to you. You've got to do your own research. There's nothing written concrete on these issues or on these topics. But yes, I think I'll, um, I'll leave the actual genuine scholarship to Gershom Sholem. I could, um, I could bore you with stories of Al-Andalusia all day. So I think I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brother Evans. Well, very interesting and raises more questions than it answers, I think. Uh, this brings this episode to a close. If you have any questions, please email us on the link below. We now part on the square and we will meet again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.